your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. Thanks for joining the podcast today. My name is Carrie Stamp, and you're listening to the Business in Paradise podcast. My guest today has had a major impact on what Palm Beach County looks like. His name is Donaldson Hearing, and he's the president of Kotler Hearing Landscape Architects. So we're really excited to have Don on the podcast today so that he can share a little bit about his story and what Palm Beach County means to him. Don, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. Glad to be here. Don, you started your business with your partner, Rob Kotler. How long ago did uh, you start Kotler Hearing Landscape Architect? We, uh, we, we started in May of 1991. That's uh, we'll be coming up on 30 years. We're just entering our 30th year right now. And so when you started in 91, so we all know that PGA National was probably already there, at least some form of it. But what were some of the big projects that were happening in the northern Palm Beach County area or even in the Palm Beach County area that you were working on when you guys first got off the ground? Interesting enough, back in uh, 1991, our, our biggest client at the time was, uh, was Bergen de Vasta. So uh, we had the, uh, the opportunity to uh, work with uh, Buzz DeVosta and Cliff Berg, and they were very loyal people. They took us under their wing, and we were working on a number of residential communities in Palm Beach Gardens uh, and in Jupiter. It was a fun time. Now, back then, many of you who understand the history of uh, North County, North County is much different than South County by a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, first of all, that the majority of the land in northern Palm Beach County back uh, from 19, well, actually actually from the late 60s uh, all the way through uh, uh, almost uh, the year uh, 2000, 1998, the land was owned by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Mr. MacArthur, you know, had uh, died, uh, I guess, uh, a decade uh, prior all that land was owned by the foundation and the foundation was very strategic about how they released their property. So they had a vision even before Mr. MacArthur passed away uh, of what Palm Beach Gardens and what Jupiter should look like. Uh, and they did things in the planning realm that uh, help establish some guidelines and create value for their assets. And some of those things include, for example, in Palm Beach Gardens, they established what we'd call parkway corridors along PGA Boulevard, along North Lake Boulevard, at least when you go out west, uh, along Military Trail as you, uh, as you enter into Palm Beach Gardens. And so that's why PGA Boulevard has such a great presence today. They also were very active in the, in the zoning process and they set up a, a zoning or land use procedure that generally would require developers to uh, seek planned unit developments 
which would enable greater oversight by the city in the review process, but also would stimulate greater creativity on the designers and require, provide a higher quality of innovation and design. And so that's why we see a lot of those things. So for years from, uh, from, from 19, 91 when we started our firm till you know 1998 the macarthur foundation released only a parcel at a time very few properties so uh one of the first projects that i worked on actually even before we started our company was when they were developing the gardens mall we helped develop the master plan that was utilized as the basis for the dri but uh, jumping forward to 1991 we were working on uh, communities such as uh, in Jupiter, it was uh, Maplewood development. So we did several communities uh, within. Is that where you're sitting right now, Don? And, and I, I, happened, I happened to be, our office ultimately was built in, in, in Maplewood. At the time, Indian Town Road was still a, uh, a two-lane road. So there was, uh, there was a lot of vacant land, uh, and we worked, had the opportunity to... Uh, become engaged in and provide design services to shape what Northern Palm Beach County looks like today. It's amazing what the impact the MacArthur Foundation has had on North County. And one of my prior guests on the podcast, uh, Joe Stryka, who was CEO of the PGA of America, uh, talked at length about uh, some of his dealings with the uh, MacArthur folks as they were creating PGA National, as they were moving the uh, the old JDM Country Club and moving over to uh, PG National for their headquarters as well as the resort. So awesome stuff. Don, before you came to Palm Beach County, where'd you come from? Where, where were you living? I had the pleasure to grow up here in Jupiter, moved down when I was uh, uh, in third grade as a young man and moved over to Jupiter Inlet Colony. So my, my grandfather was one of the first mayors there so we followed uh, followed him to to florida and so i did truly grow up in paradise being able to go to the beach every day surf you know fish dive boating all the things that uh, any young person would love so you grow up here you go off to the university of florida is that the one you went to i did i'm a i'm a diehard gator and have uh, two daughters that are gators so uh, I did. I went off to, to college and uh, you know, graduated in 1982. At some point along the way, you meet your uh, absolutely lovely wife, Suzanne. When did she enter the picture? Suzanne entered the picture probably in the uh, very early 90s. Actually, probably was 1990. So uh, I knew Suzanne prior. Uh, I, I taught Sunday school at our local church, and she was one of my students. And so, uh, but then Suzanne went to the, uh, she went to Jordan on a missionary journey for two years, and she was gone. And just to be clear, it's not like you were some 30-year-old Sunday school teacher, and she was a young kid in Sunday school. No, no, she's, uh, she's a year, year younger than I am. Okay. So yeah, so so uh, it, it was a college and career class that I that I taught. So she went off to Jordan. She came back, and I had this wonderful party for her at my house over in the shores. And then, of course, I got busy as uh, as I would typically do, and uh, probably didn't speak to her for you know for another several months. And she uh, she called me one night, late at night. It was probably 
eight thirty, nine o'clock, but I, I went to bed early and she called me and she, uh, she said, hey, you know, do you want to go out to lunch tomorrow? Of course, I didn't remember a thing that she said. So she called me the next day at, at work and said, hey, do you remember our call last night? You were going to take me out to lunch. And so uh, I said, oh, of course I remember the call. So, uh, and we went to Schooners. So that was, uh, you could say that that was our first date. Oddly enough, I was leaving the next day on a blind date, a trip to the Bahamas with three other, uh, with two other guys and several other ladies. And so uh, I went on that trip and I came back and Suzanne swept me off my feet. And uh, six months later, we were married. Fantastic. And you have three girls, two, two that are gators and one that was a? It was a, a Palm Beach Atlantic sailfish. So she's a sailfish and is a doctor out at Wellington Regional. Fantastic. All right, and, and I know your girls are fantastic. Uh, you've got a great family. There's some grandchildren there. Well, we have one foster baby, uh, little baby, well, uh, well, we one foster baby, little baby Jay, and two foster girls. So uh, Ariel and her husband, Jared, are foster parents. Uh, and they have three, three children that they've now had a little bit over two years. So this is their third set. Uh, and six months ago, they got a little baby, little baby Jay. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, Suzanne's watching baby Jay today. He is as cute as a button and just a joy to be around. And that's amazing work uh, that they've been doing. And I know that they've uh, made a profound impact on the lives of uh, some kids that really needed some guidance and some help and some nurturing. So uh, thank them for me. So, Don, you start the business in 1991 with Rob. You're working for Bergen DeVosta. You're uh, doing uh, the land design and the planning. And you also get, are starting to get involved into some of the municipal, I don't know if I want to say politics, but uh, in the municipal planning, in dealing with the uh, different jurisdictions and cities around North Palm Beach County. Tell me a little bit about how that evolved and how it came to be that now you guys are working on some of the biggest projects in uh, uh, the county. What was the progression like? Well, as with, with any, any business, you start out and you're doing small projects and uh, you, you take and capitalize on each opportunity. And so we were very, very fortunate to uh, have the ability to have uh, clients that were just exceptionally loyal. So uh, Berg and DeVosta, they were very, very loyal. There was a, a one man at Bergen de Basta, his name was Ch Charles Hathaway, ex-military guy, and uh, he he taught me a, a great worth work ethic, taught me great business. Of course, if I stepped out of line, I can promise you he would kick my butt. But then we had other people who were of influence. I uh, uh, had the opportunity to uh, work with uh, Bruce Rendina, who is uh, in the medical field. Uh, you know, Bruce reached out to us gave us some opportunity. He demanded a lot, but was exceptionally loyal. So we took each opportunity uh, and made sure that we were able to deliver on the promise. And one stone or one blessing led to the next blessing uh, and uh, led to us being involved in some of the largest projects uh, in the county. Uh, of course, in 1996, we had the opportunity. That was a large piece of property that was ultimately sold to uh, the group that developed Abacoa, Cypress Realty and George DeGuardiola and Bruce, Bruce Rendina. Well, we were brought in by DeVosta to do all the residential communities. 
And so it was really, really exciting from 1996 through literally just a year or so ago, you know, to see each building block build upon each other, each of the residential communities develop, and then the opportunity to work on each of the uh, commercial uh, developments, providing great design. And then in, in, in 2013, we were sought out by Minto communities to assist them in developing what is now the 39th city in Palm Beach County, which is Westlake. And we had the opportunity to, to start on that from, from the ground level when it was only an orange grove. That's all it was, was an orange grove. And we had the pleasure to work with the developer to develop a strategy to work with the local government, in that case was at the time was Palm Beach County, you know, to develop a strategy to build a new city, a new community nucleus that was built out in that sprawling acreage area that would ultimately become a center of the central western community. And today, that's coming out of the ground, and literally, uh, we've had the opportunity to draw every line place every street light, every stop sign, every tree, every shrub, every house, you know, every amenity, and it's uh, just blossoming. And it's just a great sense of satisfaction to, you know, see the built world come to, to come to life, but also see it to come to life in a, in a very quality, sustainable way. Yeah, Don, so since 1991, you have had the opportunity to work on some of the most amazing and cutting edge uh, developments in Palm Beach County. But you also started a business and starting a business is not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure it wasn't a straight uphill climb uh, for you and Rob as you got uh, Cutler and Hearing going. Carrie, it, uh, you know, I, I say it's almost a God story. It truly was a, uh, we actually started in 1991. So if any of you remember what happened in 1991, well, that was the savings and loan crisis. And so we were working with another group of professionals in 1991, where we were like, we were 5% partners but we were jointly and severally liable. And so uh, Suzanne and I got married in December of 1990. So in uh, probably two days before we were married, we got married, I was advised that, uh, you know, that the company was virtually bankrupt uh, and that I would not be getting a paycheck for any time soon. Of course, we had already planned this very elaborate honeymoon. So you can just imagine how I was thinking. But so, so we started, uh, in poverty. Literally the day before I left for our honeymoon, I received a letter from the IRS saying, oh, by the way, you're behind in paying a couple hundred thousand dollars in payroll taxes, and uh, please be advised, we're coming after you to collect every penny. So you could just imagine how I felt going, you know, getting married and moving forward. So we continued to kind of struggle along with our architects through the end of April of 1991. And then we just made the decision that, you know, we have, a, we have a huge book of business. The only way to survive is that Rob and I were going to go do our own thing. And we took that leap. Uh, we had, I think, uh, three or four other employees that directly worked for us at the time. We asked them to forego a paycheck for one month. Say, listen, we'll pay you back. Go one month and forego a paycheck. Uh, and everybody did that for one month. And from that point forward to this day, we have never had an unprofitable 
month. And I will tell you that last year was a, was a record year, uh, not only in terms of our top line, but our bottom line revenue. We've continued to grow year after year, and it's just been a very, very satisfying. And we've done that. We've done that on being on a, on a debt-free basis. So we don't owe anybody a penny, and we've done it never borrowing a dollar uh, for anything that we need to do. And so we've, we've learned so much through the years. I knew nothing. I had to learn, you know, I, I didn't even know how to turn on a computer. I didn't even know how to do accounting. And we learned, uh, and it was just one step at a time. Yeah, Don, in, in your business, well, in my business, we have a process uh, that's called principled wealth. And so for each of our new clients, we take them through our detailed process and go into, you know, here's what we need to be thinking about now. Here's what we need to be thinking about next. What's the process like? Uh, somebody comes to you and they say, listen, I want to do a development. I want to hire uh, your firm to uh, work with me, to guide me through this, this development. What does Cutler and Hearing do? Good question. So we do a, a wide variety of work. We do a lot of public sector work where we're uh, basically submitting our qualifications for new community centers, new town halls, new parks, a lot of work with the Department of Transportation. But on the private side, most of our work comes from a landowner or a developer who's purchasing a piece of property. Uh, they're purchasing it in Northern Palm Beach County or St. Lucie County, Treasure Coast, where we have very sophisticated what we call entitlement processes or governmental approval processes that require good knowledge, strategy, and expertise to, to navigate. Because of our experience, they come to us and they say, how are we potentially going to get this done? Often they'll come and say, you know, provide us a due diligence. So if it's a large corporate entity, we'll typically start and provide a very lengthy or in-depth due diligence that looks at everything from land use to zoning to issues dealing with vegetation, wetlands, issues dealing with geotechnical things, things that are underground. When I say the uh, geotechnical, the dirt, is there, is there, is there muck? Is the soil going to drain? Uh, and we help them understand those details. But then ultimately we have to develop a strategy. What can we build on the property? How much density? How much intensity? What are the issues that we're going to see? What do we want the built environment to look like? And we lay out that strategy for our, our clients. And one of the things that has really, uh, that we've learned over the years, that it is just so important uh, to be upfront and totally honest with your clients, help them have a realistic expectation about what that process is going to look like. Some consultants, a client will come to them and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I can get that done. We can get it done, no problem. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's a lot of pain often to get through that process. And so we found that we can be much more successful when we provide a realistic expectation and help guide our clients through those obstacles. And when those obstacles come, uh, it's much easier to get over them. And we try to provide that consultation. So we started, started the strategy level, and then ultimately we get to pick up the pencil. We get to pick up the pencil and we get to draw, and that's really where we get so much of our fulfillment, whether we're drawing a brand new subdivision or earlier today, just before this call, 
Uh, I, I'm actually in the process of tearing down a development that I did earlier. So it, 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 in downtown at the gardens, we originally did that and uh, started that in the year 2000. It got built in 2007. And now I get to work on tearing it down and redoing it. We're building a hotel and residential and, and all these interesting things uh, uh, there at the site. But that's the fun part. We pull out the pencil and we get to begin to develop what does that built environment look like. And then, of course, we have to go sell that built environment to through that entitlement process that we referred to. And then, of course, the greatest gratification is, is that when we're under construction and we be, we're able to see those spaces and the public places that we create uh, come to life and basically become uh, areas where people will gather and uh, and uh, uh, have the opportunity to take their children to and experience the space in the way that we envisioned it and hopefully that that space communicates to them some of the life that the designer wanted to wanted them to experience when they enjoyed it. Don, you said something uh, when you were talking about setting expectations for clients, and I am often use the expression that I tell people what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. Do you have a saying or a mantra that you think kind of guides how you interact or deal with uh, your clients or, or with in, just in life in general? Well, the, the mantra obviously is to do everything with integrity, transparency, I really look at it as being maybe maybe it's saying what somebody needs to hear because they do need to hear it. We just want to ensure that going forward that they understand and have a realistic expectation uh, about what the process is going to look like. Because and, and in many ways it, it becomes very very freeing because as a planner and a designer and I'm sure you see it, Carrie, as a financial planner dealing with somebody's assets, you take on huge responsibility. And so you feel that responsibility for a client. When we're going through these processes, it's, uh, it's not inexpensive. The, the, the governmental and entitlement process is very, very expensive. And so you're spending money. And, and I, I think that the saying that I say is that in the world of land planning, it doesn't have to make sense. So when we get things and we receive comments back from, from agencies, you know, it's so easy to try to say, oh, that's ridiculous. The answer is it is, but it doesn't have to make sense and it often isn't rational. And so sometimes you have to look at, approach it in a different way. That's sometimes how the government works, I guess, right? Well, <laughs> never, never fails. Yeah. Hey, uh, Don, I know you guys run a fantastic internship program and you get a lot of uh, young people that come in from uh, your favorite uh, university. Tell me, if you're sitting down with a young person right now that wants to go into your business, what advice would you give them? What would you tell them to do? And what do you think that you would say to them that this is the future of the landscape architecture business and the land planning business? Well, uh, we, we, we first tell them, and we do, we, we reach out to uh, our local university, University of Florida, uh, and we recruit there annually. We also are very involved throughout the year with the students and try to participate in the programs and give back. But the internship program is very, very valuable. Encouraging young people to go into the field of landscape architecture 
is something that we do with pride because the, it's, it's an amazing industry. There's so many different facets or angles that people can go into. Someone who just loves plants might choose a path that would be dealing with uh, simply high-end residential landscape architecture. And that's all that they do. And, and some, there are people out there that do it very, very well. Others like the urban environment. And they like to have opportunities in, in designing things in what we refer to the, the urban realm, where there's a lot of placemaking, where we're creating places for gathering. Uh, others look at going into the, uh, uh, the entertainment and the amusement park realm. So there's so many avenues for an individual young person to go. We certainly, we encourage them to find out where their love is and their passion is and to follow that passion and to specialize. And if they do that, success will follow. Follow your dream, do what you do the best that you can do. Don't worry about the money, the money will follow. Uh, that's the advice that, uh, that we, get, we give. We love having the opportunity to pour into these young people. Uh, we have an intern in right now uh, from the University of Florida. Unfortunately, we had two that were coming from the University of Wisconsin that we were very excited about, but because of the COVID virus, uh, we had to put that on hold. So, Don, you use the word success, which uh, means a lot of things, means different things to different people. What's Don Hearing's definition of success? Well, first, I think success starts first at home with family. So raising, a, a, a having, you know, a wonderful wife and a, and a, and a great family, that's the that's, that's the first part of success. And I'm very, very proud of, uh, of my girls. They're all great achievers. And, uh, uh, but more important to that, they, they all believe in giving back to the community, and which has also been one of the philosophies that we have had uh, when we start our firm, started our firm here at Kotler & Hearing. We believe that it's very important to give back and to participate in, in the community. Uh, and we encourage all of our staff members to to find something that they can participate in and give back. Because we have found, you know, there's a saying that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I can tell you that that's absolutely true. Uh, whenever we're doing things for our nonprofits, our charities, our churches, our synagogues, honestly, whenever we're doing those activities, it seems like more work comes in the door than, uh, than you could imagine. Uh, and I can't answer it, you know, it, it might sound kind of hokey, but it's, uh, it's the truth. So we strongly believe in the philanthropic uh, part of, uh, of what we do, giving back, participating. I know that in particular, we're, we're very involved with our churches and our synagogues, Christ Fellowship, Calvary Chapel, Palm Beach County, we're Palm Beach Gardens uh, Jewish Center, the Jewish Center here in, in Abacoa. Uh, we're very involved with my clinic, which is something that I've been very proud of uh, having the opportunity to get involved with. That's a local free clinic right here in Jupiter that's able to, to serve the underserved that, that don't, don't have good access to medical care. Great organization. I've had the opportunity to serve on the board of the business development board and the chamber. And if you're involved with those, those agencies and you're able to give back to the, the community, it's really exciting. Just this past week, we've had the opportunity uh, to work with the Chamber and the PGA Quarter Association, which I sit on the board, 
and to work with the city of Palm Beach Gardens where we put together within a period of about two weeks a program the city and chamber are rolling out to provide business assistance grants uh, up to $20,000 for to 50 small businesses in Palm Beach Gardens where they'll be able to get access to forgivable money to help survive the COVID-19 epidemic. And so uh, it took a few hours of our time to donate, but the benefit that we'll have to our community will be long lasting. Yeah, and Don, I can testify to that firsthand uh, with my involvement in the Edna Runner Tutorial Center in in West Jupiter. Your team uh, was fantastic as we were going through the process of first purchasing the property next door to the center, uh, getting that property cleaned up and and, uh, zoned and ready to go. And now we have an absolutely beautiful brand new facility uh, with the landscape and and everything else planned by Kotler and Herring. So uh, again, thank you for your part in that. Your firm was fantastic to work with. So Don, you mentioned that one of the definitions of success is having and raising a great family. And I'm not going to say who told me this, but somebody might have mentioned that you work more than the average number of hours that a normal person works. So how do you keep a work-life balance and uh, keep that family harmony going with the schedule that you have? That's definitely the case. Uh, You know, I have, uh, as an entrepreneur, I have that drive and have the commitment to ensure that we deliver on the promise of, of excellence to everything uh, that we do. Uh, and then, of course, you're doing a lot of nonprofit things as well, so that adds to it. It's a difficult balance. Uh, before COVID-19, uh, one of the things that uh, my lovely wife and I like to do uh, is to travel. So uh, we, we are committed. We do at least two trips every year, three to four weeks, where we travel most often to Europe. Right now, today, I should be sitting in the villa that we had rented in Tuscany, but I'm not. I'm here talking to you, Carrie, instead of sipping on a wonderful glass of, uh, of wine. But uh, so, so we, we love to travel. In the summer, we are, we are boating in the Bahamas. Uh, we've got uh, trips planned for the fall. And so uh, we, we, we just do our best to get together and to love each other as a family and have as much quality time as we can. Yeah, I can uh, totally relate to that. I was supposed to be sitting in Bali right now, probably having a cocktail on the beach. So we often find ourselves down at you and Suzanne are going somewhere and uh, either Sharon and I are uh, six months behind you and taking that trip or or we're six months ahead of you. Of all of the tr- amazing trips that uh, you guys have taken, what are a couple of your favorite spots that you really just love? That is that is so difficult. Of course, you, we love every part of Italy. So, you know, Italy is just an amazing place and it, Italy never gets old. Uh, but I, I think of probably one of the most exciting trips that I, I, I had was uh, two years ago. We went to the uh, Dalmatian coast of Croatia and it's just absolutely spectacular you know croatia is a beautiful countryside of course it was part of yugoslavia and other parts of uh, some of the countries there that were fighting for many years but it's beautiful and that particular waterway which is the adriatic sea 
and I'm a boater and a water guy, is some of the most beautiful water in the world because all of the water drains directly out of the mountains, Swiss mountains, and the Dolomites, uh, with all that beautiful limestone, and it's just so spectacular and blue. So that Dalmatian coast uh, of Croatia was very spectacular. Uh, and then last year, we went to uh, Portugal, which was a, a wonderful find. So uh, we, we loved Portugal, and uh, we're planning a trip to go back to Portugal in September. We're going to end up doing the northern part of Portugal, up in the area of Porto, and also along the Atlantic coast there, uh, which is just amazing. But so many parts of the world are just spectacular, and we just like getting out and seeing one. So each one is a, a new favorite. Yeah, I, again... Sharon and I uh, would go to Italy every single year if we had the opportunity and the time to do it. And I think you were probably about a year behind us going to Portugal because I think we were there two years ago. Loved going and just looking out at the harbor in Cascai, which is an absolutely beautiful part of the world. So we've been very fortunate. I know that you guys have been blessed with the ability to uh, take some fantastic trips. Don, as we turn now kind of back to uh, living in Palm Beach County. So I chose to move here. You were moved down here by your family. I really fell in love with this place in 2002 when I was at the Breakers Hotel. It was November and Sharon and I were thinking, geez, do we have to leave this meeting that we're at? We were at a conference. Do we have to leave this meeting and go back to Chicago? And we looked at each other and we said, not really but let's figure out how we can orient my business so that I could live in Florida, continue to uh, run my business from Chicago, and then eventually start up again down here. What does living in Palm Beach County mean to you? Have you ever considered going anywhere else? You, you know, it's a spectacular place. You know, I, I grew up on Jupiter Inlet Colony, the beach and the inlet and the intercoastal and boating, and we were outside, 24-7 as a, as a kid. And so having the opportunity to come back and be here, I have my little piece of paradise over on Sawfish Bay. And we just, uh, we, we just love the, uh, what we say is the salt life. Uh, we love the opportunity to go fishing and to go diving and to go boating and to go paddle boarding and to go kayaking, uh, or even just to take our feet and, and put them in the sand on the beach. It's just, it's just spectacular. And, and, and Florida has a season. So, you know, people tell you, you can't tell the seasons in Florida. Let me tell you, it is, uh, it, it's, uh, it has wonderful seasons and we're getting ready to go into my favorite season. I know you might say it might be hot and sweaty, but uh, my boat is sitting on the davits ready to go and loaded and uh, looking forward to uh, going to the Bahamas and the Bahamas opening up this summer. I have my reservations. So uh, we get on the boat and run on over and uh, have the opportunity to, to fish for wonderful seafood and dive and spear and enjoy the beautiful creation that sits out there. So I, 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 love, I love Florida and I love Northern Palm Beach County and I don't see myself uh, even even when I retire, which I hope to do in five years, I'm not leaving this area. Yeah, and Sharon and I are available uh, when you need somebody to go to the Bahamas with you on the boat. 
Uh, oh, that's, uh, that's good. Well, it's, uh, it's fun. We went out tuna fishing two weeks ago. So had a, had a, had a fun time and had a nice, nice run. We didn't go touch land, but we were certainly over in that area. And so you mentioned the idea or the concept of retirement. Tell us what's going on with Kotler and Hearing and where you see the future of the firm going and uh, how are things changing in, in your organization? Well, that's a, a great question. And so, you know, Carrie and I are involved in a, uh, in a group called Vistage, which is a local CEO's group. And I think I've been involved close to, close to 10 years now. And from the very first day that I joined Vistage, the concept of making sure that you have a succession plan in place was literally ingrained into my soul. And it, was, it wasn't just simply so that you had an exit strategy. It was so that your business would have the opportunity to, to live on and to be prepared for more when, when that day comes. You know, right now we have uh, approximately uh, uh, close to 40 employees. So we have a lot of employees and people that we care for on a, on a daily basis. And so it was just, it's just it was important for us to ensure that we have a plan in place for the business to move on and for the people that work for us to see that opportunity for continued growth. So it took about three and a half years. I can't tell you it was simple and easy, but we put together a succession plan and uh, executed on that in August of, uh, of 2019. And we brought on, uh, as a part of that, four additional partners uh, who I'm very proud of, to uh, share our our drive, our entrepreneurial spirit. They've come on and have purchased a, a portion of the company, and we're going to continue that succession plan while we're here, where we can train them on a daily basis to take on the company as we slow down and uh, uh, come to, I can't sit, I, I think I'll probably never come to a point of retirement, but certainly slow down maybe from a 80-hour week to a 30-hour week or something something that looks like that. It's been a lot of fun watching uh, these people. Carrie, I think you know Nicole, Nicole Plunkett, who is uh, an amazing young leader, very involved, has her own national nonprofit called Future Landscape Architects of America, where she's gone nationally uh, with a nonprofit to train kids that start in elementary school and train them uh, with curriculum about what landscape architecture is all about. Uh, but it's so much fun watching my partners as, I, as they are now just grow every day in knowledge and having the opportunity to work alongside them and to pour into them and to teach them the lessons of not only doing your business as a, as a landscape architect or as a planner, but also to understand how do you run a business? Because uh, uh, running a business, there are a lot of very, very successful people that are unsuccessful at running businesses. And it's important that we have the opportunity to teach them. So the succession plan is going very well, and I'm uh, happy to have uh, gotten that completed. Yeah, the business owner is a little bit different than just being the technician. One of my favorite books, and I give it to every uh, new person that I hear that's starting their own business, is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, which describes how you institute and implement systems and uh, make your business run more effectively. 
so that you can kind of pull yourself out of the business and it'll continue to operate. Do you have, Don, last question for you. Do you have a favorite book that you would tell a new entrepreneur you should really spend some time learning and reading uh, about this subject that uh, you think would make an impact on them? Well, you know, I, I have a couple of them. Um, the first, which is always left an indelible mark on me, you know, is part of the Jim Collins uh, Good to Great series, but it was called Great by Choice. So there's Good to Great, there's Built to Last, but uh, Great by Choice really kind of stuck with me. And it was the story of 10 similar companies in similar industries and how those companies fared, you know, over a 20 year period. You know, so they, you know, they looked at the, a comparison between, say, uh, AMD, a chip maker, uh, and Intel. Uh, they looked at the difference at the time. Again, this was written a while ago between Apple and Microsoft. Uh, of course, we know that we know the Apple story, and, and that's certainly uh, uh, turned around. But Microsoft, you know, certainly at the time took huge market share away from Apple. And then they looked at Pacific Southwest versus Southwest Airlines. Both started the exact same time. One went to huge success and was one of the most successful and profitable airlines in the world today, and the other, the other failed. And it was uh, just it left a, a mark. And and I, I always remember the one thing the the CEO of uh, uh, of Intel, you know, said, and he said, you know, it, it's so important that we maintain oxygen containers. I mean, in other words, that we maintain some resiliency so that if and when a downturn comes that we can get beyond it. And so that stuck with us and, and that we, we started our company based on uh, the concept of, uh, of being debt free and being fiscally strong and fiscally smart. Uh, and so when the downturn came in 2008, uh, we had those oxygen containers to rely on, and we made it through wonderfully. Again, we never have had an unprofitable month in 30 years of history. The other one that I like a lot of is called Little Bets, and it's all about failing quickly. You know, there's nothing wrong with failure. Failure is good. Failure is a good thing, and uh, it's just if you're going to fail, fail fast. And then learn from that and utilize that experience to implement a success. And so we, we talk a lot. We use that a lot even with our staff because we encourage them to make a mistake. You know, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. If you're not making a mistake, you're probably not working hard enough. But when you make the mistake, learn from it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I tell my staff that all the time. If uh, you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Listen, Don, this has been a great conversation, and I cannot thank you enough for your time this afternoon. My guest today has been Donaldson Hearing. Don is the president of Kotler Hearing Landscape Architects. He's one of the most influential landscape designers and land planners in Palm Beach County, and it's been my pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Don, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp & Company is located at 110 Bridge Road, Tequesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.